Good morning. My name is Matt, and uh, I serve as one of the pastors here. So good to see you here this morning. And as Kondo said, special greeting to those of you who are with us for the very first time. So good to have you here with us this morning. We appreciate you trusting us with uh, some of your morning here today. Well, if you are just now joining us, you're joining us in uh, the middle of a series that we have so proudly titled the Super Mega Epic Summer Series. And yeah, if you are here for the first time, that is a real thing. That is actually the title that we chose. Um, I mean, we spent, gosh, a solid six or seven minutes working really hard to find the most crazy title that we could come up with uh, for this series. And uh, it is a little bit ridiculous. And part of that is intentional because we as a church want to lean into some things that many would see as a bit ridiculous. And our desire through this series is to be about the super mega epic things that God would have for us and that we would begin to approach him boldly and ask him to do the super mega epic things that only he can do. We're wanting as a church to move away from really average and and simple asks. We want to move away from asks that are filled with loopholes and shored up clauses. We want to go all out in our prayers and in our responses to God. Last week, Kondo talked about uh, a number of really practical things that you can apply to your prayer list and just some great ways to be approaching uh, your prayer list. And today, what I want to be talking about is um, our partnership with God in our prayer and some of the things that I believe he has called us to do. For many, prayer can be a lot like a sort of cosmic Santa Claus type experience, right? Where we crawl up into God's lap and we tug on his big flowing white heavenly beard, get his attention and, you know, we say, hey, uh, God, uh, if you could help me out right now, I'd really appreciate it. And we bring bargaining chips to the table. God, if you can just get me out of this jam in this moment, I promise to never do this thing again. Or, or maybe, you know, even a, God, if you can just help me out right now, I, I mean, I will show up for church next Sunday. In fact, I'll show up for church for forever and maybe do something crazy like sign up to serve or put a little money in the offering basket. Just anything if you could just help me out. And I think prayer is far more beautiful than that. It's more than just this sort of genie in the bottle moment where if we just put together the right words and the right series of thoughts and phrases and we position ourselves in the right way and we do it at the right time of day and we pray for just long enough, then maybe, just maybe, we'll get our wishes granted. Now, see, I think prayer is far more beautiful and far more powerful than that. I think prayer is a partnership. It's a partnership between us And God, it's an ongoing, constant conversation, as the Apostle Paul said, to pray without ceasing. It's something that we want to be about and we want to do almost with no end. And there's different ways and varieties in which we do that. Um, There are certainly moments where we should really just begin our days on our knees. Praying and crying out to God and asking For him, for his help, for him to do only the things that he can do in the super mega epic. That he would answer the cries of our heart. That he would answer those in need around us. That he would hear our intercession on behalf of others. 
There's other times where there should just be gratefulness right at the edge of our lips as we go throughout our day. Gratefulness for God's provision and the way that he cares for us. Gratefulness for the relationships and the moments and interactions that he gives to us. Gratefulness for the very breath in our lungs that we woke up this morning to a new and beautiful and precious day. Sometimes we pray and it's just a, it's a, almost like a mantra. It's maybe something that you repeat often and it's just something to help center you in, back with the Almighty and center your heart back in line with what God has for you. That just happened for me. Every time I walk up on this stage or any stage for that matter, before I present anything, even before I come out for announcements some Sundays, I sit in the back and I pray, God, more of you, less of me. Do the work that only you can do here. Because left to myself, I will make this moment about me. I will make this moment about how much can I make you laugh and have you engage and be super impressed with all the eloquent things that I string together. But that's not what this is about. This is about a moment connecting with God and in his word and a moment for the spirit to move in and through us. And I just want to get out of the way of that. So God, more of you and less of me. There's moments for us where prayer should just be quiet and sitting and being still and listening and just waiting patiently for the Lord to respond and being open-handed with however he leads us, whether it's a yes or it's a no or it's a not yet. I believe prayer is a partnership. It's a relationship. And if we're going to be about the super mega epic, we must learn some of the realities of this prayer partnership. So open your Bibles uh, to the Old Testament book of Joshua. There's some guys coming up the aisle with Bibles. If you do not have one, just slip your hand up. We'd love to get one in your hands. Uh, Feel free to take that, use that today. If you don't have one at home, that's our gift to you. You are welcome to keep that. Um, But open your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Again, it's in the Old Testament. And today we're going to peer in on the story of the Israelites who are just days away from entering the promised land. Now, just a few weeks ago, uh, Kondo shared the story of the Israelites one generation prior to this one. And they found themselves at the the same threshold that we're going to look at today. They were at the doorstep of the promised land. And as Kondo shared, they sent some spies into the land to basically check out and say, hey, is this land as good as God says that it is? And the spies come back, 12 of these spies, they go out and they come back and they go, yeah, it is good. The land is good. I mean, it's amazing and it's full of fruit. In fact, we brought some back. But then 10 of the 12 spies begin to spread fear and doubt among the camp of the Israelites. Yeah, the land is good, but the, but the walls, oh my goodness, the walls. The walls are so, they're so big. I mean, the cities are fortified. And, and forget the big walls, the big people inside are super scary. We are going to get crushed. There's no way that we could defeat these people. And God is furious at their doubt and at their fears. Because keep in mind, this is the generation that has just been delivered from Egypt. This is the generation that God pulled out of Pharaoh's grasp and brought to freedom. And he did so through so many signs and miracles. 
ending with the parting of the Red Sea, where they walked across the Red Sea as the walls of water held up, and then they turned around as the Egyptians are chasing after them in horses and chariots to watch the waters crash down and defeat their oppressors for good. And this generation is brought up to the doorstep of the promised land, and their overwhelming response is that of fear. They let the fear of these giants be greater than the promises of God. And so God is furious and he has them do an about face and he sends them back into the wilderness to wander the desert for 40 years so that that generation would die off, all with the exception of the the two spies who stood up and said, no, believe in this God, trust in this God. He will deliver us. Those two spies and their families, they were the only ones from that generation allowed to enter the promised land. So we find ourselves with Joshua, the new leader of the Israelites. Moses has died. God has given the reins to Joshua, who, by the way, was one of the uh, 12 spies who stood up and said, hey, we need to trust God. And here Joshua is at 80 years old. And he's wandered the desert for 40 years with these people. And God says, it is time. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So powerful to see these promises. So great to see how good God is to his people. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Man, it is so unfortunate I was not alive for that moment. I would so have taken advantage of that promise. I mean, seriously, every place I set my foot becomes mine. I'll tell you what I would do. I would cruise right down to Indy, and I would just start stomping around to Chick-fil-A like crazy. I mean, I would walk in there and just stomp my foot around and be like, hey, it's mine. God said so. Put my foot on it. It's mine. And then I'd partner up with Josh Saul's giver and figure out some way to put it on a truck and bring it back here to share. Because I'm a giver. I'm not selfish. I want everybody to enjoy it. And Indy has like five or six of those things, so they can spare one. But I just think these are seriously amazing, amazing promises. I will give you everything that was promised. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. These are the promises of God to his servant Joshua and the people 
the chosen people. And it's almost as if he's drumming up what would have been some old memories for Joshua. Remember when we were standing here before? Remember this moment before? I I just want to make sure it's really, really fresh in your mind. I'm with you. Trust me. Obey my commands. And it's going to be better than you could ever imagine. Just trust me. Be courageous. Be brave. Trust me. Believe. In our pursuit of partnering with God in the super mega epic, we should start by clinging to the truth and promises of God. Cling to the truth and promises. God says it plainly to Joshua. Listen, meditate on the law day and night. Keep these words on your lips. Obey the commands. It's a directive from God to what it looks like to be prosperous and successful. And just as God has given Joshua and his chosen people these promises to remind them, I am with you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, God has given us hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises in his scriptures that are just waiting to be claimed by faith. What does God have to say about the things on your prayer list? Are are there promises that you can cling to? Does his word reveal anything about our ask and the motives behind the ask? In the scriptures, there's promises about fear and doubt and anger and dealing with our enemies. Promises about provision, healing, overcoming sin, addictions, promises about forgiveness and redemption. We should tie our prayers to these promises. See, sometimes prayer is about our own awakening, moving us from our wishes to God's will. And the word of God and the promises of God will do that. It's like fine-tuning an instrument. We may start off in prayer. We may be coming from a little bit of a raw and even unhealthy place. And that's okay. We talked about that in our psalm series. Come to God as you are. Express your heart where it's at. He knows it. He can handle it. He might as well hear it directly from you. But as you cry out from him, allow his promises to wash over you and begin to realign your heart with his. If we can use... The words and promises of God found in the scripture, we can find footing to stand on in our prayers. And Joshua and the Israelites, they they receive God's promise. They stand on this firm footing. And and rather than standing back with arms crossed and, and skepticism as their ancestors did, they lean into trust. And they move their camps to the banks of the Jordan River. Let's move over to Joshua uh, chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. This means to be set apart. It means to be dedicated for a special purpose, to be completely dedicated to God. Joshua lets the people know, listen, God will do. He will do amazing things tomorrow. He's going to show up. He's going to do incredible things. Now you need to do your part in getting ready. Consecrate yourselves. This word and concept is used many, many times in the Old Testament. And it's a call towards cleansing and confession. Through the practices of sacrifices and washing and offerings. And I believe to partner with God in the super mega epic, we must consecrate ourselves. Our consecration looks a lot different today than it did for our Old Testament brothers and sisters, but the heart of it is very much the same. 
We want to be set apart. We want to be ready for special purpose and assignments. We want to be fully dedicated to God. Now, our consecration, consecration comes through Christ Jesus and his sacrifice and death on the cross. He was the final payment, the atonement for our sin. And we simply need to place our faith and trust in him to be made clean. But being fallen people in a broken world with an enemy that is looking to trap us and ensnare us and have us fall, we have got to play an active role in consecration and setting ourselves apart. We must actively seek to to make things right in our relationships, to make things right with one another, to confess things to God, to seek forgiveness, to seek forgiveness with each other. Separating ourselves from our sinful nature and our habits. Moments like we pause this morning and we take communion. Such a beautiful moment of, of consecration, of, of, of tying into the, the truths of God's word and consecrating ourselves. A moment where we just pause and we say, you are God and I am not. And I'm so sorry for the times that I have reversed the roles. Thank you so much for your body, your blood, which was broken and shed for me. Please forgive me for the times that I get it wrong and give me the power and the strength to live the life worthy of the calling I've received in you. That's being consecrated. And I believe we need to pay attention to what it means to set ourselves apart, to be different. Consecrate yourself. Joshua, again, chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Kardashianites. Is that not in your Bible? All right. Verse 11. So the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go down into the Jordan ahead of you. Verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood, flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a huge distance away. Verse 17. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation completed the crossing on dry ground. Now Joshua told the people that God was going to show up and do amazing things among them and he did not disappoint Okay, so let's get a good mental image of what's going on here. Uh, Scholars estimate that when we talk about the Israelites and their camp, we are talking about 2.5 to 3 million people. Their cattle, their sheep, 
and everything that they own at that point, and they are standing on the eastern banks of the Jordan River. Now, the priests are sent ahead to carry the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, they're approximately a half mile. They were commanded to be separated from the rest of the camp. They're about a half mile ahead of the rest of the camp. And it's believed that the rest of the camp is kind of up the hill at the top of the bank so that they're able to look down and easily see the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant down to the edge of the river. This is significant because the Ark of the Covenant was the physical representation of the person and promises of God. It's this four foot by two and a half foot by two and a half foot golden box. And it has this golden lid with golden angels and outstretched wings over the lid on it. And these four rings at each corner with these long wooden poles that slide through the ring so that the priest can hold the box up without actually touching it. And so they're a half mile ahead carrying this golden box representing the person and promises of God down to the river. Now the Jordan River has 27 sizable rapids in it. And it's in the middle of the flooding season as they cross. Where they cross would normally be about 180 feet wide. But because of the flooding season, it was probably double that. So over 300 feet or longer than a football field. During the flooding season, the water would have flowed uh, not the normal three to four miles an hour, but actually 10 miles an hour, which doesn't sound very fast until you were to fall in to the moving current and get carried away. And it's just so interesting. They're not sending a strategic strike force. They don't recruit their Navy SEALs and say, hey, you guys are good at crossing water. Why don't you go ahead and make your way across and go do the whole attack thing? Uh, you know, get everything set up. We'll stay back here, build a bridge, get some boats, do something. We'll get across. No, they're sending their unarmed priests down the hill with the entire nation following them, men, women, and children, cattle, and all. I can't even imagine the temptation of feeling like, this is crazy. What are we doing? But there's no mention of grumbling. No mention of complaining. No mention of doubt. Unlike their ancestors. And unlike their ancestors, this generation is leaning into God's promise. They are claiming the promises of God and they are saying yes to the super mega epic situation that they are called to. And the most striking and compelling thing to me in this passage is God's command for the priests to walk down to the edge of the flooding waters and to stick their feet in. If this does not speak to the partnership with the Almighty, I don't know what does. The Israelites could have so easily come over the hill and here's this huge golden ornate bridge that drops down from heaven and it sets in and they can just walk across and it's like, thanks God. God would have certainly gotten the glory for that because no man could have pulled that off. That would have been amazing. But that's not the way that God does it. Could have been that they came over the hill and the, the river was already parted and the ground was already dry and the path was already cleared. What if the Israelites had come over the hill and just convinced Joshua to set up a time of prayer? You know, like, and they get over and they look and they go, oh, hey, uh, Josh, listen, uh, the river's looking pretty rapidy right now. And I, I don't see any bearded guys with chacos and uh, rafts ready to take us across. So maybe we should just pray this one through. Could we just pray this one away? Just wait until God does something? And it's just not the way that God works here. 
And oftentimes, it's not the way that God works within us. God doesn't want us to always pray away our circumstances. He wants us to pray through them because he wants to walk through them with us. And it's through the journey of difficult circumstances that we have the privilege of seeing God do the work that only he can do, which allows our faith to grow. See, God wants steps of faith. God wants movement. He wants action. He wants movement from his people towards his promises. This is such a fine line, and I want to tread across it ever so lightly, but sometimes I think we can be paralyzed in prayer when God is waiting for us to take a step that he so desperately desires that we would take. Sometimes we can just sit in prayer when what we need to do is stand up in obedience. In our partnership with God in the super mega epic, I believe we should be looking for times to make our move and cautiously and courageously step forward. Notice I'm not saying just run full steam ahead. That's not what the priests do here. It's not what they're called or told to do. They're told to walk to the water's edge and to step in. Not run in, not dive in, not holy cannonball it in. Step in. And it's through this act of faith and obedience that God begins to part the waters. Where the water stopped flowing upstream was 16 miles upstream. And this priest stopped in the middle of the riverbed, the dry riverbed. And the people walked through across the dry ground. And this is just so incredible. If you're still struggling to imagine this, if we took the numbers and the realities of what's happening in this circumstance, we could equate it to if we went to the city of St. Louis and we asked the entire metropolitan area of St. Louis to line up along the banks of the Mississippi. And we send a few people down and they step in the water and it parts and the entire metropolitan area of St. Louis crosses the river. That's what is happening here. And God does it through some cautious and courageous steps. The summer of 2007, uh, I was a youth pastor at summer camp, and it was absolutely my favorite moment. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Best event of the year. I lived for this time. And yet at this particular camp, I just had a growing sense that this was going to be my last one. My, my work um, at this, this church and in this youth ministry was wrapping up. And I didn't know what was next. I had no idea what was next, but it was becoming clear to me that God was preparing us for something next, something new. So Eric and I, we talked about it and and she agreed and we prayed through it. And we just began a process of prayer and putting our radar up and looking for God, what is it that you have for us? And and long story short, we didn't really get an answer for six months. We, We went through six months of just praying and trusting and leaning in and looking to the promises. And and God revealed to me that I needed to go help my friend Andrew start this nonprofit called Broken Voices. Now, it was something that we had all been working on. It was an idea, a concept, something that we had put just some volunteer out of the goodness of our heart time into for the past year and a half, two years. We'd made some short films. We'd done some events for high school students around the Atlanta area. And we just had this overwhelming sense that we were on to something and God was leading us to take the next step. And God made it very clear to us that I was to step in and help them launch that. 
And so uh, I approached Andrew and I told him and he was overwhelmed. He's like, oh my goodness, I don't have a job to offer you. And I said, I don't know, that's fine. It's okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. And so we leaned in and we decided in January 2008, Andrew would quit his job and he would jump in um, and start to lead the ministry from a full-time vantage point and that I would finish up the school year with my youth ministry and I would wrap up late May, early June and, and then jump in full-time. At that point, we had a sense that we were supposed to go make a feature-length documentary film. And um, I'll never forget sitting down with our board in uh, March of 2008. And we sat down in uh, this room around a big table. And the board said, well, all right, what do you guys got? And he said, well, listen, we're so excited. Um, you know, Andrew just started in January full-time. It's going great. Uh, I'm wrapping up the youth ministry thing. I'm going to be jumping on in, in May. But we have this film that we feel like the Lord is leading us to make. In fact, it's coming together in unbelievable ways. The ways that the stories are opening up and the doors that are opening uh, are just things that we couldn't be manufacturing. I mean, we're getting connected with people that we should never be connected to. And they're saying, I'd love to be a part of your film. I'd love to share my story. I'd love for people to know the work that God has done in me so that it could compel them to find the work that he has for them. And they said, wow, that sounds, that sounds great. What do you need? So, well, we need $65,000 and that will uh, help us to make the film and pay the crew and get some of the equipment we need. That'll get us through some of our post-production process. Um, and we also, we need an RV. Um, you see, what we want to do is we want to put our families in this RV and it's going to be big and iconic and drive around the country. And at that point, um, we had our son, Caleb. And by the time we left, uh, Erica was pregnant with Jeremiah and then Andrew and Emily, they had their firstborn son, Cole. And by the time we left, they were pregnant with their secondborn son, Gavin. And so we thought, this will be great. Whole families and little kids and pregnant ladies in an RV traveling the country. What could be better? I mean, this will be an awesome, awesome film. And our board agreed. And they said, wow, it sounds great. Where are you at in the process? So, well, um, next week I'm going to cut Andrew a, a paycheck. And at that point, we'll be out of money. Um, and we don't have the RV yet, and we really don't want to rent it because that would make the budget go up. We'd really love it if somebody would, would just let us borrow one, um, which seems crazy, but, but we just feel like that's what we should be asking for. And I'll never forget the tension in that room. As I looked around and I watched the eyes looking back at us, and there's this feeling as if someone was trying to decide who is going to break it to these guys. And then one of the uh, more business-minded guys on our boards finally spoke up and he said, guys, um, the plan sounds great, but this is pretty um, aggressive in terms of what you need and, and your timeline to pull it together. I, I'm just curious, what, what will you do if it doesn't come in? And I'll never forget, Andrew looked back with so much conviction and resolve and he just plainly said, I just think we're going to go make this film. And I think we've been directed to say yes and to lean in and to make this film. And so, you know, maybe it's not going to work out the way we think it is. Maybe the RV is not going to happen and we can just take our own cars. Maybe not all the money will come in. We'll need to cut some things. I, I hope we don't because I think we need it. Otherwise, quality will suffer. But, but we're going to go make this film. And there was this moment for us as an organization at the very beginning where we decided we needed to go put our feet in the water. And the chairman of the board at that time 
looked up and he said, well, I don't think we have anything else to talk about. I think we just need to start praying and asking for God to provide. So for the rest of that meeting, that's what we did. And we walked out of there with this sense of like, this is going to happen. A week later, we got a phone call and a commitment for $30,000. A week after that, we were speaking at a men's Bible study, and, and I promise you this is a true story. A man I never had ever met before came up and tossed me the keys to his $225,000 RV. And thank the good Lord he added us to his insurance because we definitely wrecked it twice. We didn't total it, but, you know, just enough to make the film interesting. Um, and all along the way, and all the steps that we took as we led up to the departure of this film, and me quitting my job and, and, and leaving some of the security that that represented, the money just kept coming in until we had exactly what we needed when we needed it. And I could go on and on and tell you more and more and more stories just like that and the ways that that has happened but I'll always look back to that moment at the boardroom table where there was this choice to say, we are saying, yes, we're going to go stick our feet in the water. As a result, we got to make that film and several other short films, and that turned into a live event that we took to college campuses, uh, over 50 college campus events over the course of the next couple of years for 50,000 college students who had the opportunity to hear about God's purpose and passion for their lives. What's beautiful about this holy partnership that we see with the Israelites is the priests who are fully human are carrying a golden box symbolic of the person and promises of God. It's a picture of God going before the nation. Remember, they're a half mile in front of the rest of the nation. God is clearing the way, but he's clearing it through the faithful steps of the priests. And it'd be easy to look at that and say like, okay, well, those are priests, of course, like they're these holy people that, yeah, of course, God partnered with them. Check out 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, and this is you, any of you sitting here that have Jesus Christ in you today, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you're a follower of Jesus sitting here today, you're part of this royal priesthood, this holy nation. And just as the Levitical priest stepped into the foot of the Jordan and they were holding up the presence and person of God, you are part of this royal priesthood and you have the presence and person and promises of God inside of you. I recently heard a pastor say, we should work like it depends on us and pray like it depends on God. I love this statement and this idea. And I'm so incredibly grateful for the season of prayer that we're in. It has truly been a blessing and a special time. Some of the stories coming back in have been so moving. And I would encourage you, if you have stories and ways God's been moving in you through this prayer time, let us know. We would love to hear it. But I was talking to one of my friends and she was saying her and her husband had set up a prayer list during this prayer season. And they've been praying the super mega epic prayers. And it's been an amazing time for them. And God's been moving in them and aligning their hearts to his. And one of her prayers was um, a, a tense relationship that she's had with a family member for years. In fact, it's not even a relationship. It's a broken relationship where there's been no communication. And so that was on her list. And she's been praying and praying and praying for this family member and for this situation until one day she looked up and she thought, I think the ball is in my court. 
I think God is moving me to take a courageous and cautious step forward in this one. So she wrote a note and she put a small gift together and she packaged it up and she mailed it off, just trusting that God was going to do something through it. This family member called back an emotional phone call about what this note and this gift had meant to her. She was so grateful for it. Now, they still have a long way to go, but the door for healing and reconciliation has been open because my friend was willing to take a step and put her feet in the water. What's on your list that God is waiting for you to go and get your feet wet? What is something you need to lean into his promises and say yes to? We're one month away, as Kondo said, from moving into the Warsaw Performing Arts Center. And as we shared just a few weeks ago, we've estimated that we need to raise $80,000 to purchase supplies and equipment to make a seamless uh, transition. And what we've found so far is that God's provided what we've needed when we've needed it, no more, no less, which is what I find the way God tends to work. And it's been so humbling to see the gifts coming in to help move this forward. But at this moment, to stay on track and to meet all of the ordering and shipping deadlines to get us there on July 24th, we need to see $35,500 come in by Tuesday, July 5th. And then another $22,200 to come in by Monday, July the 11th. Now, I'll save you from doing the math. That's $57,700 in less than 16 days. It'd be very easy to begin doubting this process. Some may consider it wise for us to start maybe making a backup plan and scaling back a bit. And right now what I can tell you is we are feverishly working as if this thing depends on us, but we are praying our guts out that it depends on God. And I've watched many churches and many organizations over the years, and I've had the privilege to be a part of a number, and I've watched the figurative banks of the Jordan River where churches just sat and prayed and never moved. I watched others who packed up and turned back the other direction because the fear was just too much to get over. I have the privilege of being a part of a few who leaned forward, trusted the promises of God, took some cautious and courageous steps forward, and they put their feet in the water. Friends, I want you to know Mission Point is planning to put our feet in the water on this one. We're stepping forward and we're trusting God that he's going to go before us and he's going to clear the way. But we're also aware of the reality that it may not look exactly like what we've envisioned and what we've planned. And you know what? That is absolutely okay. What we're not okay with is being found guilty of not trusting God for his promises and the leading that he's been laying out for us for months. Proverbs 16, 9 says, In in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And we have a vision, we have a calling, and we are giving a wholehearted yes to this vision and calling. And in our human efforts, we're putting together the best plans that we can come up with. But ultimately, we are trusting the Lord to order our steps. What about you? What do you need to say yes to today? What are some promises that you need to cling to? What are some areas and ways in your life that you need to make some things right and consecrate yourself? What is something you need to take a cautious and courageous step forward 
in. Maybe like my friend, you need to send a note or an email or make a phone call. Maybe for some of you, the relationship is trouble in trouble and you need to just admit that and take steps to get some help. Maybe for some of us, it's time to confess that addiction and cry out to God and look to others to help you out of it. Maybe for some of us, who've heard us talk about generosity and the outplay of generosity here for the last several weeks and are still resisting to be generous. Maybe you need to step up and step in to what it looks like to being generous. And I want you to hear this really, really clearly from me on behalf of our leadership. When it comes to generosity, we're not concerned about your money coming in so we can pay the bills and keep the lights on and pack up the moving truck to to get us the Warsaw Performing Arts Center. See, that's something God has promised us. God has promised us his provision. God has promised us to care for his church. He feeds the birds of the air. He clothes the flowers of the field. How much more does he care about us? How much more does he care about his church? We're trusting him for his provision. What we're concerned about in the generosity thing is some of you are missing out on the promises and partnership of God of what it means to trust him with your finances. You're missing out on blessings and partnership that he's holding out for you. And he wants you to make a move and to say yes to him with your finances. If we're going to be about super mega epic things around here, it's going to start on our knees before the Lord. And I surely hope you would join us in that if you haven't already. Join us in these last few days of our prayer op. Join us Thursday night as we go over to the pack to spend time setting our feet on the ground and praying. But we have some work to do. We need to cling to some truth and some promises. We need to consecrate ourselves. We need to courageously, cautiously march down to the river and get our feet wet. The difference between two generations was a yes. The difference between those who enjoyed his promises and those who didn't was a yes. The difference between those who saw what millions only spoke of was a yes. And I don't know about you, but I want our story to be about the yes. So, you have a card under your chair. The yes card. You can go ahead and grab it. And we're going to take just a few moments. I know it's 12 o'clock right now. I'm going to ask you just to hang tight with this for about two to three minutes. Because if you're anything like me, you're busy. You're distracted. You have a lot going on. And the moment you walk out of these doors, you will quickly begin to forget some of the things that we've talked about here. And all we want with this card is for you to lean in right now and just capture some of the things that you feel like God is impressing on you to begin to say yes to. Whatever it may be. Whatever promise you need to begin to believe. Whatever step you need to begin to take. Whatever you need to do to consecrate yourself. Go ahead and write that down now. And if you can write this down and keep this card with you and put it in a place that you can interact with it over the next couple of weeks, put it on the mirror, on the refrigerator, on the dashboard in your car, however you will see it, it's going to help you to take steps forward and to succeed. Just the act of writing it down is going to improve your chances of success by over 50%. 
And if you could be so brave as to share this with someone else and allow them into the process and the conversation, it's going to skyrocket the chances that you will walk out of here and do the things and put to work the things that God is calling you to do. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to just turn on a song. You can sit in here as long as you'd like. The chairs aren't going anywhere. Write on your yes card, send an email, make a phone call, find someone to pray with, talk to, whatever you need to do. But please take just a few moments to respond after I pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your unbelievable promises that we can fully place our faith and trust in. Thank you for Jesus and the consecration that we have in him. But God, move us to be people that would desire to be a holy people set apart for your purposes and your assignments to glorify your name. And God, give us the courage and the strength that we need to take some steps forward and put our feet in the water today. God, we want to be people who say yes to you. So we give that and we commit that to you in Christ's name. Amen.